I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is onto the cinemas, ice houses blaring on the stereo, it's humid and dangerous, and a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course, is my dad. Loose Units, the podcast, was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on the force back in the early 80s. So this season, dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980. And each week, we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book. And dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling, revelatory, and as always, very, very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins, the podcast where I, Paul Verhoeven, take my dad, John Verhoeven, behind the stories of the book Loose Units. How are you doing this week, Dad? Bloody marvellous. And can I just say, Paul, at this juncture, mm. yeah. um, you sound um, different. Yeah, my balls dropped. Like I said, um, <laughs> but your voice sounds good too. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I was actually sent something by Blue. It's the Yeti X World of Warcraft edition. Uh, it's a microphone, basically. I've been recording into what is effectively a rolled-up magazine for the past few years, and we got Dad the um, the like nano version of this microphone, and that's why he always sounds better than me. Not just because he has an objectively nicer voice. So. I'm a big World of Warcraft player and I got in touch with them and they said, look, we'd like to send you this microphone. And dad, this thing is like covered in orcish runes and it has a bunch of different settings, which I'm not sure if I should play with while I'm on the show, but I think I'm going to anyway, because it's actually made to kind of reflect the World of Warcraft gaming experience. And if I go to the effects section and change it to say this, how do I sound? Do I sound the same? No, that really scared me, Paul. So what does it sound like? Does it sound weird or bad or what? Sounds like a, a munchkin that's been plied with LSD. Okay, so let's say you're watching a true crime documentary, right? Uh, it's inappropriate, Paul. Hang on, hang on. Let's say you're watching a true crime documentary and you're trying to disguise the voice of a like a witness, right? How about, how about this? Really good. While I was in the force, oh. I had to do things that I wasn't comfortable with. And uh, at one point, they forced me to put... So like that stuff, that sounds good, right? Oh, God, that sent 
goosebumps. Oh, that, that was staggering. Fuck. Well, what if you had a daughter instead of a son? How would that sound? <laughs> is that a bit weird? This is brilliant. Dad, Dad, I can't find my training bra. Hang on, let me just change out of this here. There we go. So that's, I mean, it's a really, the microphone's Paul, just, Paul, it's can brilliant. I have one, please? I can you have it. one? Shit, yeah, it looks good. I'll have a word with them and see if they can send one. Anyway, it's the Yeti X World of Warcraft edition. I play a lot of World of Warcraft. If any of our listeners play, by the way, please hit me up. And the problem is, of course, Dad, I have a microphone that is so good now that it is unfortunately capturing the terrible acoustics of this room that I'm recording in. So please bear with us while we find a better room to record in. Anyway, this week on Loose Units Origins, we're going to be talking about Chapter 3, which is called Oh Captain, My Captain. Now, Dad, have you done your homework for this week's episode? I have. I've read it uh, a few times and I really enjoyed it. I, yeah. I, I, I how, are you en- how are you enjoying the process of this, by the I way? I love it. I look forward to reading a chapter every single week because it takes me right back. And it also gives me um, some insight into how you crafted the, uh, the first book. And I also like um, the way you've done it. And, and it's not technically always 100%. Um, spot on of course but, not. but this mm. particular chapter is um is remarkable in its mm. accuracy thank you dad that's very sweet um well this one's all about you trying to find a first of all i really worked through this plot point that you were looking for a mentor someone to compliment you you know like you wanted an offside or a partner and I, I, this is something that I built up based on my observations of you as a person. Would you necessarily agree with that assessment that you wanted to have somebody to bounce off? Look, policing, you work with someone that you really entrust your safety yeah. and your life. I know that sounds fairly dramatic. But I was driving back from Manly Beach this morning thinking about what it, what is so great about being a police officer and in in my particular case what was so wonderful about being a police officer in the New South Wales police force which mm-hmm. is a police force that I came to um to really love and and I still um see police cars I I see police walking the beat particularly where we live which is a pretty tough area and um and I just have nothing but admiration and a bit of jealousy over the gear they wear now although I'm not quite sure how they actually managed to do a foot pursuit because of they carry so much stuff, including bulletproof vests, um, you know, a lot of extra gear. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I joined the New South Wales Police Force, it was very much a matter of wearing a nice kind of very um, basic outfit where the public couldn't see your firearms because they thought it would intimidate people. Well, we seem to have gone to the other end of the spectrum. But as I said, driving over this morning, coming home, you know, I was thinking about the types of jobs where you just it's a great job if you don't know or you don't want to know what you're going to have experience that day. Um, it could be anything from an armed robbery, um, a fraud matter, uh, an assault, a motor vehicle accident, a suicide, a murder, a rape. I mean, it's just the entire gamut from the very minor misdemeanor to, to you know, horrific incidents. And... Um, uh, and there aren't too many jobs that offer that, um, you know, that sort of vocational situation whereby every single day is going to present you with um, possibly something exciting and, and definitely sort of delving into the unknown. So I think that's a real positive. And, um, you know, my 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 buddy uh, that I ended up working with and we became the best of friends mm. 
we were thrust together um, kind of accidentally. It was that incident that night in the park. Mm. Um, do you talk about that in future chapters or? Can yes, we- that does that does come oh, okay, up cool. later in the book. But I mean, yeah. this is I mean, I, I'm I guess that's because we've talked about this before, and the fact that you you know it's like retail work. You get to work, you see your sort of um, you see your roster, and you just sort of get lumped together with someone. But yeah. what I was trying to assert was that you, as a person, at that point, were fairly listless, and you were looking for somebody to. You know, kind well, of guide you, and you're right. You're right. And I worked with so many um, senior police in my my formative months mm. um, between when I came out of the academy um, and you're on probation mm-hmm. um, for about a year, and I worked with the entire gamut of police officers, male and female, and you know, sometimes I'd be working with a police officer that I just knew was bone lazy, um, had no desire to do anything. Some of some of the officers that I worked with, um, if we were driving along a highway and there were people in front of us um, that had just had a car accident and they were literally jumping in front of the police car, screaming and yelling, My some of the senior police that I worked with, and I know this is going to come across pretty badly, but it's a fact, they would just say to me, look straight ahead, keep going. Don't stop. Pretend you never saw them. Are you serious? Hundred percent. But I'm, really? I'm sorry, but that's just. Um, there were some police officers that um, that just couldn't stand working. I'm not kidding, and I know who they are, and I'm, that's all I'm going to say because I'm not going to sort of um, be be specific. Because um, and those police officers were. Um, Look, it was just terrible. I mean, I, I worked with police where we'd get an urgent job. I remember there was a shooting. Um, there were actual real security guards from an armour guard vehicle. They were actually shot. Ooh. And I was working with this lazy, lazy... Oh, fuck. Just, it was a nightmare. And I'm, I'm sort of... I'm the driver. And I, I just... I was like a sort of a... Like a coiled spring... This was an opportunity to go to a really serious, really serious job. Mm-hmm. And I, I distinctly remember him saying to me, just just slow down, slow down. And it's as though he didn't want to get to the job because if we got to the job first, he knew that we would be inundated with paperwork and possible court work and he just didn't want to, any part of it. He was a lazy... But but then again, you worked with police officers that were just so so. I don't want to use the word gung ho, but they were really keen. And you want to be exposed to the best of the best when you start off in any career, mm-hmm. because you need to rise to the top. Of course, you don't want to sort of be dragged down. And you know, I I do tell the story about this police officer that I worked with at Mossman Police Station, and on night shift. He used to wear a dressing gown and slippers on duty. Yes, I remember. And, and that's just... And well, even, that's in, yeah, that's in Electric Blue. That's uh, yeah, but, one of the station sergeants. But yeah. I still see this guy. Really? Yeah. And I just, <laughs> I just can't bring myself to be... It's a real effort for me to be civil because I just think to myself, you know, these people had contempt for the yeah. police force. And the police force is a really, really important job. Mm. And when you're a young, keen constable, 
And okay, you might be sort of all wide-eyed and, and idealistic, as I'm sure everyone is when they first join. But but over years, some people become tainted with, for for whatever reason, they they see things, they 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 get influenced, and um, and they kind of almost. I'm not going to say they go to the dark side because the dark side can mean corruption. And you can have corrupt police that were really fantastic to work with. By golly, yeah. I worked with some police and some of them did real jail time, mm-hmm. but they were fantastic general duties police. Right. And they, they and to be to be a young constable, you come in on the shift. We used to do the three shifts, seven AM, three PM and eleven PM. And if you would rock up and we used to do seven nights straight, so you'd rock up um I think the first night started on a Thursday night. And if you were working with a really keen senior police officer, like, say, a good senior constable, and uh, you just knew that you were in for a for a, a thrilling ride because within minutes of 11 p.m. hitting, you'd be on the road and well, you'd be out of, there. Yeah, I mean, you you've you mentioned before, Dad, you mentioned, you know, um, the the man who you would be partnered with and buddy with most of your career on the police force mm. and that was the man we've called Julian for the sake of anonymity yeah yep. um by the way you asked me in fact you know penguin legal asked me to change his name just for the sake of anonymity do you think i mean first of all what do you think of Julian because that was you know i couldn't go with his real name he was um yeah i, I love the name where where did yeah. you get that name i don't know i honestly don't know mm. um but I think because I wanted something that was kind of gender neutral, you know, I could go with Jules if I had to, you know, I mm. just wanted to mix it up. But um, chapter three, Oh, Captain, My Captain, actually starts with a reference to Julian. Because if you recall last week, we had we had Julian swing in through a window um, during an undercover exercise, which is obviously, you know, fictional, but dramatic and fun. So I'll start with chapter three. Here we go. Let's see what you think of this. John was a sucker for a mentor. After growing up with a strict, often disapproving father, and after being raised on a diet of novels filled with hard-boiled detectives, strong men with hard jaws who busted up drug rings, John began to cobble together a composite sketch of a real-life hero he could admire. He'd grown up with lovable weirdos, though, so he wanted to make sure this mentor was a little off-kilter too, just to stop things getting boring. He planned on chopping and choosing, taking an inspirational quote here, a life lesson there, to create in his mind the perfect role model upon whom he could lean in times of trouble. With Julian, he found an offsider, sure, and one who complimented him, but Julian also encouraged him. So while his police career was peppered with fellow units, Julian was one in whose presence he could become, well, looser. And so then I go on to talk about the fact that you were, and this is kind of the focal point of the chapter, you were in a class being helmed by Sergeant Sweats who I refer to as a diminutive angry man with a shock of ginger hair who resembled a roided up hobbit. And this was a self-defense class. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, you've got two kinds of, you know, people that you're looking for to compliment you. You've got a partner who you're going to hit the road with and you've got a cool kind of mentor figure. Um, Can you tell myself and the listeners a little bit about this? I mean, first of all, I didn't know that you learned how to fight. Because, I mean, how often do you have to actually engage in like a bit of a physical stoush and a throwdown with a, um, with a suspect? We, um, we did a lot of baton training and okay. um, a lot. And there were particular parts of the human body that we were encouraged, um, mm-hmm. probably legally, to go for. And there were lots of areas on the body that we were um, strongly advised, highly advised, 
not to go to. For example, you wouldn't use a baton on someone's collarbone because you don't like to break bones, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the chances are that if you're in a baton situation, um, and more and more so these days with, um, you know, everyone's got a mobile phone. Um, so you've got to be sort of very, um, you know, you've got to be careful. Your objective is to is to bring the offender down. So we were taught to go for uh, the knees around around the legs to try and sort of get them to sort of fall to the ground. I mean, it was sort of a last resort, but we were issued with pretty big battens. Um, and then they brought in this new type of baton. I think it was called the KP26, but at the time of its initial um, sort of implementation, they were only used by the riot squad and they were heavy duty things. But self-defense was very, very important because if you were to get into a, uh, you know, a serious, uh, like for a, a brawl, for example, imagine mm-hmm. if you go to a pub and all of a sudden three or four, you know, patrons that are intoxicated, they just decide to attack you. I mean, you've got to sort of, you can't, I mean, the reality is you can't just run away. You know, that's not what policing's about. You have to sort of, you know, draw a line in the sand and you have to sort of stand your ground and and no matter how how scared you are and you have to use techniques and we were taught self-defense and we were taught you know throws and all sorts of holds because one of the holds that the police um, that we were taught at the academy which is Mm -hmm. fairly interesting Paul and that is that if there was a demonstration where there were lots of media there we had to have techniques to take people to the back of the paddy wagon that were effectively under arrest but you had to make them comply with you, but in a way that was very, very discreet so that from a filming perspective, so if it came up on the news that night, mm-hmm. it looked as though the police officers were very, very calm and even gentle, but but they were getting the person, the person that technically a prisoner, because once you're under arrest, you know, you, you forego a lot of your rights. Mm-hmm. And you would then escort them. And we, we learnt these very, very interesting techniques where you could very, very discreetly, basically, and I don't want to sound sadistic, but there was a technique we learnt where you could hold their wrist in a certain way and you would twist it slightly, which would cause the person fairly excruciating pain, but to everyone else around you, you weren't doing anything to them at all. Can you believe that people actually thought that's how they thought about techniques? Because, you know, in riots and terrible situations with mass crowds, everyone loses it. The police lose it. The crowd lose it. There are people rolling around on the ground. It's, 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 it's a shit fight. Yeah. But there were times where they were teaching us to be able to control the person um, so it if they sort of went to run away, you could apply a little bit more pressure. Um, I'll show you the, the hold one day. I don't know whether they still use things like that. But, um, yeah, it was sort of we were taught a lot of things in these classes and there was this particular instructor and his um, his job was to teach us self-defense and uh, he also taught us drill. And, unfortunately, he was, um, he was fairly small. I don't quite know how, how he got into the police force but oh um, yeah that's right because you you were kind of you know you almost didn't get in because of your size that's right yeah i I mean i am six foot but he was about maybe five something or other five Mm. something five five and a half foot but he he had a particular uh he he fancied this particular girl in our class yeah um 
And I was reading the chapter this morning, and you actually do use her real name. Um, oh, do, do I? Yeah, which which I thought was interesting. And she was um, an ex-air hostess. Okay, so we know who this person is. But I guess my question is, the version which you told me involved you basically tackling Sue or flipping Sue? Because I yeah. think the whole point was y- you were trying to treat her as an equal, right? Like That's that right. was the... Yeah, okay. but, he, but the, 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 the sergeant, he called me out and he knew... Mm-hmm that I was in a very precarious situation. I was damned if I did, damned if I didn't. Right. And so, basically, what he wanted to do was get you in a situation where you were going to have to either tackle a woman mm. or what was far more likely, given your kind of, you know, moral stance, um, you would say no, in which case you would actually fail the, the exercise. That's right. So, okay. I, I sort of looked at Sue and um, and she understood. And she was a, um ex-Qantas Air hostess, exceptionally attractive. Um, and fairly slight in uh, in stature, and uh, and I, I'm sort of towering over her. And I came up to her, and I basically, you know, I got her to relax. She needed to know what was about to happen, and I basically flipped her over and um, threw it onto her back, and then sort of dropped to my knees and pinned her down, which is what I was supposed to do. And then this sergeant who who sort of fancied Sue, he um, he basically came up to me and he, he just um, he just basically knocked me out in front of the class. And he did that because, well, for various reasons. He, he perhaps thought I'd got a bit carried away, which I hadn't. But more importantly, he wanted to let um, the class know that he was the boss. And he basically also wanted to let Sue know that he was kind of pretty much on and what a great cool guy he was for flattening me. And the whole thing was really terrible and the class were really upset and then I picked myself off the ground I, I, I was I was I mean if that happened today um, you know that 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 person would probably be sacked because that was technically well, it was an assault but I just thought oh bugger it and I sort of copped it on the chin and um, you know then I bowed sort of like in a karate situation bowed and Sue bowed we bowed at each other she went off and then um, I, uh, I I was um, I was I was in shock and I mean, in the book, bu- in the book, in the book, you go and shake hands with the guy. Yeah, I waited until everyone had left, and I thought, oh, you know, I've got to, I've got to do something. And so I walked up to him and I said, "Oh, Sergeant, look, I'm, you know, I'm sorry about what happened in in the class." And and you know, I went to shake his hand, and he just said, um, words to the effect, "Go and fuck yourself." And um, and I thought, shit. And he was a he was a tough guy. I mean, he could have uh, he could have taken me into a back room and beaten the shit out of me. Uh, he could have done anything. I mean, they, but what, they, what, what, would that, what would that have achieved? Well, it probably would have made him feel good. I mean, some of the some of the instructors at the academy back in the day, and no doubt prior to me being at the police academy, the stories could have even been worse. I mean, it was somewhat draconian. It was winter time. the 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 discipline at the academy back then was it was Dickensian. It was it was old world. It was a little bit scary. It was hard. You know, there were there were messages all over the gym. You know, pain equals gain, and and it was just all based on you know creating these. It was weird, but but I was an F troop, and our our class we were blessed with those two um, <clears throat> somewhat eccentric and fantastic instructors, and and we we were blessed because they had a, a, a different a different angle, and they realised that you know. 
they could teach us to be great police officers. And, and, I, and you know, if I had have gone to one of those, to one of my instructors and told them what had happened about with this sergeant, uh, they would have been appalled. Yeah. But then I did over time begin to get a little bit of respect from that particular uh, sergeant. And, um, and I realised that in the grand scheme of things, you know, he, he, he was nothing, really. So, yeah. I, yeah, I think one of the things that, um, that I like about this chapter and about the stories that you told me is that you, first of all, that you went and shook this guy's hand, which shows a kind of restraint and adultness, which I certainly didn't possess at 21, but also that you sort of became, and it said, I'm going to read this from the book. From that point on, during his first three months at Redfern Police Academy, John became the unofficial spokesman for all the cadets in F Troop and would perform his little thank you ritual. He took pride in it and so did everyone else. It was like the police equivalent of that creepy song sung by the Von Trapp children on the stairs before they headed off to bed. So, I mean, we do talk about this a little bit, but in the book we talk about the um, the fact that you are the person who thanks the hard men who don't usually get thanked and as a result you sort of become the unofficial spokesperson of mm, your class yeah, yeah. and then you go on to tell me about maurice green who i ended up writing about and it says maurice green was one senior man in particular who john really had to work at he was a tall thoroughly muscular grizzled sergeant with auburn hair and a matching prodigious mustache who was in charge of protocol at state level funerals now this is a weird this is a weird crossover with um the funeral a, industry. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah, really weird. I mean, this is, again, last week on the show, I was trying to describe him. Okay, one of the things, uh, Dad, that's interesting about writing these books is that, again, I am I am doing my own spin on your stories, uh, which is fun. But Penguin basically got in touch and said, hey, Paul, you've described this guy, Maurice Green. Is this an accurate description? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, and then they just read it back to me. So, I'm going to read this I'm going to read this description of Maurice Green. And, Dad, I want you to tell me whether you think it's a fair description mm, of this man, okay, your right. instructor. He took his job seriously, and he towed an air of solemnity about him like a hot, hard fog. Everyone at the academy shat themselves whenever he came within spitting distance. Maurice Green had the demeanour of a three-metre statue tasked with guarding a cursed tomb. If a mountain fucked a Viking, their offspring would be Maurice Green. And what's funny, Dad, is occasionally when you write a book and you have the editor send back notes, sometimes the note is just, do we need this? And it's a question. And sometimes your answer is, yeah, I think we do. So, would you say that's a fair description of Maurice Green? It's a great description. He, um... He had chiselled features. Mm. He had a serious moustache. He may mm. have waxed the tips. He had a buzz cut, like a crew cut. But it wasn't a crew cut that followed his head on top. It kept going up, then was pretty flat across the top. Yeah. So you could have played, um, if you had some tiny little skittles, you could have played or you could have done sort of lawn bowling on the top of his head. Mm-hmm. albeit with small balls. He was fearsome. He he was he was he had no body fat. It was all muscle. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. He was immaculately attired. I think he's the guy that taught us how to spit polish our boots, uh, which was a prick of a job. And he was the protocol officer. And he also taught us how to... Um, he took us out to Long Bay Jail to where we got to fire our pistols for the first time, which was... Yeah, could you tell us about this? Because this was a training exercise. And I, I mean, I kept asking you for prison stories and I, I guess I expected stories of you going in and sitting with hardened inmates to get clues as they cryptically taunted you from behind a plexiglass screen. But what you actually said was, oh, no, we got taken to the prison to do weapons training. Could you mm. walk us through that? Yeah. Well, it was um, it was a full day mm-hmm. and we all hopped into minibuses and Maurice Green, he, um, he sat in the front of the bus mm. and he didn't say anything. You could just see the silhouette of this man mountain. He just did not even communicate there was no hello good nothing he was just and no one had the guts you couldn't even look at him without and when he shouted at you your face was covered in his in his fluids i mean he'd he'd be spraying orders out at you and we rock up to long bay jail and it's a long bay jail on a good day Mm. is really depressing okay it's in a windswept area it overlooks the ocean it's just, it's it's a great jail. If you want to think about a place where you want to go and be really miserable, Long Bay was, it's it's a great case study. And, um, of course, the prison officers and, and, and in particular the riot squad. Mm. I mean, can you imagine being a member of a riot squad inside a maximum security jail? These oh, guys God. are pretty fucking tough. Mm. And they gave us some demonstrations out at the uh, at the rifle range, and they used this uh, this rifle called a Mini 14. Now these are the guns that used to be used by the men in the towers, because that's one of the the times in in our society where you can actually shoot someone legally in the back when they're running away from you. Generally, oh, that's not a God. good idea. If you're, if you're a police officer and you shoot someone in the back running away from you, that's generally pretty uncool, depending on the offence they've committed. But these prison warders 
they have the right to kill you. And, you know, they don't shoot to wing, they shoot to kill. So they're going for maximum body mass. But to demonstrate the power of the Mini-14, in front of our class, one of the prison warders shot at a double brick wall. And in two shots, it had torn a hole through the wall. Jesus. And not only that, these flames were coming out of the... Uh, these these flashes were coming out of the, the barrels of these guns. They are mighty powerful. But then Maurice Green, he... Um, bearing in mind it was just F Troop. So there were maybe 25 of us. Mm. And, um, and, and a lot of people had never held a gun before, ever. And I think that's the first time that I ever, ever got to hold a pistol. And the pistol was the Smith & Wesson... 38 Special, mm. which is a gun that was you know, used throughout a lot of police forces. One of the reasons it was used is it had no safety, which is a good thing, I think, because in a stress situation, if you're going to pull your gun out, the last thing you want to do is fire off towards the offender and find out that it's actually locked. So they were revolvers, six shots, and you'd have another six spare, so in essence. But the, the ammunition, as I've as I have mentioned, was specifically made for the New South Wales Police Force. And originally, um, the ammunition was regarded as basically ineffective. There were cases where police had unloaded six into oncoming offenders and they yeah, kept coming. Yeah. So I know we've touched on that. But yeah. this particular day was our first encounter with pistols. And on the range, uh, Maurice, he had a baseball bat and he walked behind us and he said, if any of you turn to the side or look behind... Because generally when you're holding a gun and you turn your head, the gun tends to go with you. So he said, if any of you move the gun or look away from the target, I have this baseball bat and I will stove your fucking heads in. I will kill you on the spot because you are not to... So there was this fear. But what they used to do to, to, to add to the stress is they would get us to run, come back to the gun put the headphones on, and you could hear the blood flowing through your veins, the pressure, the stress, the tension, the heart, and you would then get your firearm yeah. and you would aim for the target. Now, the key... Now, Paul, you've done this. You did this in Thailand. You yeah. fired the pistol. You fired the exact same gun. Yeah. So what was that like? It was like a big, wet hammer. Like, it was just this big, wet thunk. Like, it sort of... And it was a lot quieter than I remember, than I thought it would be. Um, but it had it was, a fair kickback, didn't it? It really did. And again, I I mean, first of all, do you remember how I did? You're a natural. Oh, thank you. No, you did very well. <laughs> oh, it's all the video games I play. I think maybe you can cut that from the from this podcast. Um, so <laughs> the thing the thing, Paul, is that um, the, the the stress they were trying to simulate extreme pressure and tension. Of course, yeah. You know, which yeah. is fair enough, and. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty full on. And, and, and the, the class actually, I, there was a palpable borderline hatred towards, uh, the instructor because he'd been right. such a, such an asshole. But we understand, you do understand that that's right for this particular environment. Mm -hmm. It's not a, you know, it, it's not a sort of a fun kind of, these guns, they do kill people and, uh, and people have died at, at shooting ranges. And some people have ha actually go to shooting ranges. There was there was the case in America of the two girls, the sisters. They went to the shooting range to kill each other. Remember that? No. Yeah, they shot each other. Well, they sh yes, it was horrendous. And unfortunately, fortunately, one of them lived, 
but it's all on video. So people do go to shooting ranges for lots of reasons, and um, mm. and they're dangerous places. Now, at the end of this whole traumatic event, um, and we're standing and the wind's sort of, you know, the wind's blowing and it's we're all a bit sort of dishevelled and we've been lying down in the dirt and we basically couldn't wait to get back to the, the academy. And I just, um, we, we, we're all standing there and I just, uh, I looked at Maurice and I said, uh, Sergeant Green and he he went sort of yeah well, we would he wouldn't say yeah of course but he'd say you know he may have said what or or something like that and um I said uh, Sergeant Green I said um I said on behalf of uh, the entire class F troop I would like to thank you for the most informative exhilarating exciting wonderful day blah 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 and he had obviously, in his entire career, never, ever been thanked. And it was like whacking him in the back of the head with a gold brick. He just stood there and I saw his eyes well up (laughs) and I saw his lower lip start to vibrate, not because of the wind, but he was genuinely affected and he actually... He actually managed to somehow or other move his upper lip into an upward direction, which indicated the potential for a possible smile. Oh, bless. Yeah. And um, I'm not saying he completely got away with the smile, but he acknowledged that um, and he thanked us. And from that moment on, we were, and and I'll tell you what, he he got an ovation. He didn't say ovation with 25 people. Oh, yeah, I think innovation is like, I'm not yeah. sure what the collective noun of people clapping is, but yeah, yeah I think it's innovation. And, and, and yeah. we all clapped and, uh, mm. and, we, and, and, and we all went home and, and, and there was a sense in that, in that bus heading back to Redfern that it had been a, a, a great day, albeit a tough day. Yeah. Um, and I think it was, um, a moment, uh, for him that made him, um, made him feel good. And, and as you said, Paul, um, years later, I got to, uh, to remind him and reminisce um, on that particular that funeral for that police officer, yeah. And I got to see the the other side because you know these these uh, drill sergeants, you know, they do have a real life. They don't go home and 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 their families are not standing at attention and salute when they come in the front door. Obviously, well, they might be, but they might know. they might that'd be a bit creepy. Mm. But um, now he we got to see the human side, and he. He liked us, and the thing about becoming the the class spokesperson is that eventually it became an automatic thing where I just would go into this certain mode, and um, and it was always well received. Mm. And I know that we were the only class out of there were six classes in class one seven one, and I know that we were the only class that ever thanked any visiting instructor. Well, maybe the F was for thank you. Mm, maybe. Um, I, I I'm very curious to get your perspective on this because obviously you 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 clearly understood that there is an inherent thanklessness or thanklessness, if you will, uh, which I won't, to teaching because you don't get thanked. It's a, it is a thankless job. Teaching is a very important job. And you clearly understood that instructing, you know, like future police officers was something that should get just even a slight tip of the cap. Did you ever sort of think about maybe becoming an instructor at some point once you got jack of the job itself? Um. That's a really good question, Paul, and the answer is no. 
because my mother and father were both school teachers mm-hmm. and um, I got to witness um, how they felt about some of the, uh, you know, the situations they got into and, 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 it, and, and it is and it was a very thankless job. And yeah. um, I remember when I was in year 10 um, doing English, my some of the people in my class at my high school, they made our English teacher cry and I felt so ashamed and sad um, as a 15-year-old realising that some of the people in my class had had forced and created a situation where the poor English teacher ran out of the classroom bawling and I jumped up and followed her out into the hallway. I remember this incident as though it happened this morning and I stood there looking at my English teacher and I apologised to her on behalf of the shitheads in my class, of which I was not one of them, because I had... My mum and dad were were school teachers. Of course. And I appreciated what a thankless job and yet how incredibly important teaching is. And teachers are undervalued, underpaid... Um, in society, and yet it is possibly the most important job. And I tip my hat to, to teachers, um, and I tip my hat to instructors, um, you, you know, at the police academy, because they were teachers. And um, it's really, really important to give thanks and and be grateful. And um, you often hear about very famous people being interviewed, and, 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 and many, many a time in people's lives there's been one teacher that has had a dramatic effect. And, um, and the first time I ever remember being really affected by a classroom environment, I was, mm. I was five years old and it was, I was in kindergarten in Armadale and we had a lay teacher, in other words, a teacher who was not a nun. And I remember she was reading a really beautiful um, story for us. It was our last day before Christmas. I'm five years old, sitting in the class, and she's telling this beautiful fairy tale and she started crying. And I remember she looked at the class and she had tears streaming down her eyes and she said to the class, she, she apologised to all of us, all of us little five-year-olds sitting there, you know, cross-legged. And she said, I'm so sorry. And as though she was sort of, she was embarrassed. And, um, and, I, and I, to this day, remember what she said. She said, oh, what a silly duffer I am, which is a term that was probably not used anymore but you know that had as a five-year-old that really had an effect emotionally on me because I I just felt that teaching was such a you know an extraordinarily important and wonderful vocation and and I I think we really need to I know we're going off a little bit here but look I we really need to treasure and um and look after and I I honestly don't know how anyone could be a teacher because it's a tough gig I briefly enrolled in a dip ed when I got to Melbourne. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with my life. And I kept thinking, okay, so obviously I was raised around people who either were teachers or really appreciated the value of teachers. And I had like amazing teachers. In fact, the dedication at the back of loose units, um, 
actually references several specific teachers of mine. It references Jody Brooks, who taught me uh, film over at UNSW. It references um, Ben Peake, who was my uh, writing teacher over at UNSW. Uh, Naomi Derwent, who was my drama teacher, my year 11 and 12 drama teacher. And um, Mark Staker, who was my English teacher. And three of those four came to the book launch for Electric Blue. Sorry, for, for Loose Units. Three of those came to the book launch for Loose Units. They were there and... I mean, you know, teachers are really important. I, 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 I mean, I didn't, I didn't have the fortitude or the guts to actually do it. I just think it requires immense bravery. Mm. Uh, but speaking of bravery, we have reached the end of this chapter. So we've reached the end of O Captain, My Captain. If you want to hear more about, um, about the Maurice Green stuff, you can head back to the last season of Loose Units and listen to Dead Serious because I think there's a whole episode. Mm. dedicated to the guy mm. and next ep- the next episode and this is a fun fact the next episode of loose units origins next tuesday is about chapter four it's called autopsy turvy and chapter four is the chapter that i submitted which got this book across the line so if it weren't for chapter four there literally would not be a book a podcast a book live shows tv show any of that stuff so this is the chapter next week you're going to hear about dad's first time heading into glebe morgue and talking through his first time seeing dead bodies and getting really like literally guts deep into the job so if you haven't already got your copy of loose units and you're just listening along that's totally fine but if you really want to live the experience properly grab a copy of loose units get it from your library buy a copy pest your bookstores and while you're at it christmas is coming up so please go to your bookstores local or independent or you know even even big w dimmicks whatever and just bombard them with requests for electric blue because we want to really make this a bestseller this summer um dad is there anything else you want to say before we wrap things up um we have a bit of a treat friday that i won't mention <laughs> that's right um, something, yeah, something yeah. moderately weird yep. um look paul and listeners it's thrilling to go through this chapter by chapter i'm i'm i i I really the time I, the time between our podcasts I kind of feel a bit loose sometimes and um I do look forward to these and uh and yes and your mic sounds mind blowing and uh we've modified Yeah I've I've really I've really enjoyed talking to you dad it's been really um it's really fun getting together every week you know it's like it's like a sleepover Paul you're like another daughter but thank god you're not Hello? I, don't know to, I don't know what to say to that. Anyway, it's right, been mate. a weird episode, but thank you so much, everyone, for listening to another episode of Loose Units Origins. We will see you on Friday for Loose Units, Loose Ends. And, God, we're just so busy, but we can't wait to see you. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye-bye. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.